And I kept telling myself, dude, man up and have that conversation with your toxic business partner. Man up and start being the modern day knight that your wife expects you to be. Man up and be the father that your kids should and deserve to have. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am so excited for today's episode because I am sitting down with a good friend, somebody who's been on the show before, actually, Bedros Kilian. I'm bringing him back, and here's why. I wanted to share Bedros with you guys as much as possible. He is one of the most influential mentors and friends in my life that causes me to play bigger, that forces me to level up. And I wanted to share that with you as well so he can do the same thing for you. Oftentimes, when you see Lori and I take a great big step in life, he is one of the reasons behind that. And I want the same thing for all of you. Now, before we go down that road, I want to remind you the fastest way to up-level in a year's time is to join my mastermind. If you are a multiple six-figure earner and you want to get to seven figures in 2019, then you need to join the 2019 mastermind and applications start now. The waiting list has started now. You got to go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind, fill out your application and join, in my opinion, and not just because it's mine, one of the most effective masterminds out there. Entrepreneur.com actually did an article and called me the master of masterminds because of the success stories coming out of this mastermind. So again, if you are a six-figure earner and you want to learn how to get to multiple seven figures in 2019, go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Fill out the app. You and I will have a conversation. We'll talk about your goals and we'll make sure that we are a perfect fit for each other. All right. So Get ready because we're about to sit down with Bedros. And I already told you the the effect that he has on our life for Lori and I, the way he levels us up. You know, he fled Armenia, just six years old, now has this business, Fit Body Boot Camp, this chain that is valued at well over a hundred million dollars. Could you imagine learning from somebody who went from eating out of dumpsters to having a business that is valued well over a hundred million dollars? And here's the best part in fitting with my ethos, and fitting with what this podcast is all about. He is also one of the most giving, generous humans I know. And we talk quite a bit about that later in the show. We talk about how to balance entrepreneurship and family and how that was one of his biggest struggles. I mean, he was at a low of lows with his business and he was at a low of lows with his marriage and with his family. And we talk about how he turned it around so that you can learn how to turn that around in case you are in that situation as well. Then we get into his new book, which by the way, literally sold out. I mean, ran out of books. It's so popular. The publisher had to print thousands and thousands and thousands of new books as an emergency printing because it was selling so quickly. So his new book is called Man Up, but the book is for everyone, not just for men. We talk about how it's actually human up, right? For mankind. And we talk about what you can learn from this book. We give very, very specific business advice throughout, advice that will not only motivate you, but by the end of this podcast, absolutely cause you to be a better business person. So listen, you're about to change your life over the next 45 minutes or so. Get ready, listen up, because this episode is epic. Epic. 
Phaedros, my friend, so good to have you back on the show. Thank you, sir. Good to be back. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Can you believe it's been more than a year since we did this last? Dude, it's nuts. You know, if you had just asked me, I would have said like, oh, a few months ago, right? But it's been <laughs> over a year. The time just flies when you're doing things, right? Well, so it's a good sign that, that both of us have been busy and successful and growing and learning and, and doing a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about right now since we last did this episode. And here's the other thing. I actually went back to the old episode. And at the end, we're, we're joking around like, hey, let's do this again. And I actually wanted to keep that promise for everybody. There's two big reasons I wanted to have you on. One, you're one of my favorite human beings in life. And you already know that. And Thank number you. two, you've got this book out, This Change in Lives. We were just talking offline. I mean, you've sold a kajillion of them in a very short amount of time. And that is a sign that people are loving it and sharing it and spreading it. Matter of fact, I'm seeing this book sell, quite honestly, faster than some of our other friends that you know have been there, done that a million times. And so this thing is really special. We're going we're gonna to dissect why in a little bit here. Sure thing. I'm excited. Now, since you've been on last, check this out. I've added rapid fire in the beginning. And if, to me, it's like this fun way for my listeners to get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really good that comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on it. You want to do it? All right. Fair enough. Cool. All right. We're going to start real easy. Where'd you grow up? Armenia. And well, you- I was born in Armenia, grew up in Anaheim and Santa Ana, California. <laughs> and where do you live now? Chino Hills, California, 40 miles away from where I grew up. <laughs> Favorite quote? Circumstance does not change responsibility. Mm, have not heard that before. It's so good. What's one of your superpowers? I can see the fourth dimension in most businesses. Okay, we're going to have to go back there. What is one of your all-time favorite books besides your own? Ooh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. I actually haven't read it. Should I? Is this like oh, a Chris, it, get your ass off the couch and go read it right now? It is. It will. It trumps his the book that everyone knows him for, which was... Uh, Oh, Lord. Think and Grow um, Rich? Think and Grow Rich. It trumps it. And the only reason, it's a long story, but the only reason they put it out, they had to wait for him to die to put it out because it was so controversial. Really? Okay. That's my next read. I've actually been looking for another read, so that I can't wait. Uh, one of the things you're challenged by right now? One of the things I'm challenged about right now is, uh, truthfully, something that's giving me anxiety is the growth of Fit Body Bootcamp. We need 34 locations a month to hit the pace of 2,500, and we are under 30 locations a month, and it's irritating me. Mm, we're going to have to circle back on that one, too. Favorite speech or advice you've ever given? The favorite speech I gave was that we are a lot more like German shepherds than we think. <laughs> Why is that? Give me the one-sentence answer. Uh, real simple. A German shepherd ha- needs purpose and it needs to serve. And in the absence of you know, purpose or in service, like hurting animals, it falls into a depression and anxiety and starts digging holes everywhere to give itself purpose. Uh, we do the same thing as humans. When we don't have purpose and we're not serving, we start digging holes in our lives. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I love the analogy. A couple more. Who's one person who has totally changed your life? Oh my gosh, one person that has totally changed my life is, I gotta be honest, my wife. Like she's been a game changer for me. So Pedro, here's the deal. The majority of super high level married individuals that I ask that question of, that's their answer. And it's not because it's their spouse. Like it's a real thing. And, and obviously there's a trend there. Super high level individuals need a high level significant other in order to, to run at that pace. So that does not surprise Absolutely. me a bit. All right, a couple oh, more. Great. What are your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? Oh my gosh, I have a hard time giving myself a pat on the back. So you're forcing me to stop and think here. All-time favorite accomplishments. Uh, We are one of 17% of companies that have hit the Inc. magazine list three times in a row. And and even a smaller group of people have hit the Inc. and Entrepreneur 500 list in the same year. 
So it's well under 20%. So I'm really excited about that accomplishment, not because of the accolades, but what it says about our consistency. To me, that's a big thing. Mm, I love that. Congrats. One regret you might have. (sighs) Not taking bigger risks sooner in life. Yeah, me too. And last but not least, one thing generous that you've recently done. Ah, I don't want to talk about that. Come on. I paid for a marketing campaign to happen for a struggling client who was just hit by massive debt by surprise. Man, you are- I just went out of pocket and, and, and ran the campaign myself by, for a few thousand bucks. See, number one, thank you for sharing that, even though you didn't want to, because it's those unseen things that sparks the idea in other people that hear that and say, wait a minute, I was thinking about doing that for somebody else too. Or it gives them the idea- to do something that is totally unique like that, that they wouldn't have thought of otherwise, and you start a chain reaction. So thank you for sharing that, even though you didn't want to. Sure. All right, so let's no go problem. a little deeper into the interview now. Um, we're talking offline, and, and I said, I'm not going to make you tell your story again, because, well, I'm sure that you have done that a thousand times on this book tour already. But more importantly, back in episode 50, right? So we're talking like 125, 130 episodes ago. You told your story. Dang, man, you've done a lot of episodes, huh? (laughs) We've been grinding over here. We've been grinding over here. So back in episode 50, and and we'll put the link to the show notes, I suggest everybody goes back and listens to your story because it's one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard on the show. You know, you coming with your family from uh, Armenia at the age of six years old and eating food from dumpsters, et cetera. So go back to episode 50. The link is in the show notes and hear Bedros' story there. I'd rather start with a point in your life that was just a handful of years ago. You talk about it in your book. I think you're maybe 38 at the time. And yeah. you had your first panic attack. Yeah. And the now iconic company, Fit Body Bootcamp, which is that a $100 million business right now? Valuation? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. And, and, and valuation, it's above that. Yes. Insane. Okay, so now the, 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 the iconic... It's so weird to say that. I, there's, I, I feel like I'm bragging when I say that, but I'm trying to be humble. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like, well, yes, but I'm not trying to brag. Here's the thing, when it comes out, out of your mouth, it doesn't come across as bragging, right? It comes across as inspiration, especially when somebody's asking you the number like that. It's not like you just volunteered it. So it was on the brink of failure. You're 38, oh, you're yeah. having a panic attack. It's about to fail. Can you take us back there and, and tell us what was going on? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's funny, I, obviously, you've, you've, read, you've read the Man Up book. And in that very first chapter, I talk about the morning of my heart attack. I thought I was 38 years old having a heart attack. Uh, found out two days later that it was not a heart attack. It was my first of many massive anxiety attacks that had identical symptoms to a heart attack. And the reason for that was it was the year was 2013, uh, maybe 2012, right around there, 12, 13. And we had just launched Fit Body Bootcamp as a franchise a year earlier. And I, that's when I realized that I was... Previous to that, I was a marketer, not an entrepreneur. And a marketer, you can run Facebook ads and campaigns and have a couple of employees and you're good. As an entrepreneur, you start growing your team and you're forced to lead and have vision and better communication. And I was missing those three key elements. And so I, at some point, started losing more franchisees every month than I was gaining, uh, which put me in over $640,000 in debt. I was siphoning money out from our savings account, our family savings account, which wasn't much in the first place, and dumping it into the company. Uh, employees were leaving three, four, five at a time, you know, just literally quitting and leaving. One employee had gotten so pissed off with the way I was managing the business, because I was a very ineffective leader at the time, that she literally took our franchise agreements, what we had, put them in two garbage bags, 
poured coffee and carpet cleaning fluid over it and yeah, wiped our hard drives clean and walked away. Like that's how pissed she was because I was such a passive aggressive adversarial boss because I didn't know any other way of communicating. And so Chris, you could imagine all these things are happening. You're losing franchisees, you come home and your wife's like, what the hell is going on? She's the mama bear. She wants to know that her cubs are gonna have a roof over their head and food in their bellies. And and I'm just like, woman, don't talk to me about this. I don't need more pressure here at home. So I don't wanna be home. I don't wanna be at work. And well, lo and behold, one anxiety attack after another, it was just crippling, man, And, and life was, to be honest with you, very awful at the time. I didn't realize it then, but I was not only depressed, but I also remember feeling like if I didn't exist right now, that would be okay. It would be a better option than being in existence and um, and being a failure. God, so I mean, that's the lowest of lows. How'd you turn it around? Well, this is embarrassing. If you go to the back of the book in the acknowledgments, you'll see there's 11 Navy SEALs that I thank in the acknowledgments for making me a better leader. And it's a crazy story. So do you listen to Howard Stern at all? Not recently. I haven't in the past. Okay. Okay. So, you know, just like you, in the past, I've listened to Howard Stern. And in that time, around 2012, 2013, I was listening to Howard Stern in the car, just trying to stall. So my, my, God, I hate to admit this, my whole... (laughs) Theory was this, if I just let Fit Body Bootcamp fail, because at the time we had about 80 some odd locations, we were gaining three but losing five or six a month. I figured if I just let it fail and go away, I can go back to being a coach and a consultant and an information marketer. And so my whole thing was, hey, I'll just sit out, sit in the car, listen to Howard Stern uh, while Fit Body Bootcamp fails around me. Obviously, I'm not meant to be a big franchise or own a, own a $100 million, $200 million business. Well, while I'm listening to Howard Stern, he has he's interviewing this guy who's a former Navy SEAL named Howard Wasden. Howard Wasden was a Navy SEAL team sniper, a six a Navy SEAL team six sniper, and he was at the in the 90s in Africa and Mogadishu during the Black Hawk Down era. And so he read wrote his memoirs, and Howard Stern's like, oh my gosh, this is such a great book about all these war stories and what these guys do in the military. And I'm like, oh, I love war stories. I drove right to Barnes and Noble and bought a copy and just started reading it in the car. Two days later, I finished reading that and I'm like, wow, what a great story. I had no idea these special forces guys like can tell their stories once it gets declassified. So I go and start looking for more books about you know Navy SEALs and special forces, et cetera. And before you know it, I find uh, The Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. And he was in, a, in combat in 2005, they made a movie on him. He was one of four Navy SEALs, three of them died. He literally crawled himself to safety and survived, et cetera. And again, he tells his story about going to the SEAL program and the BUDS program, which is the basic underwater SEAL team training program. And so one Navy SEAL book after another, I'm just reading these books, hiding out in my car in the in a parking lot of a grocery store. It's embarrassing to say, but you have to just imagine this. Some guy entertaining himself with books while waiting for his franchise to collapse around him. Just whatever my employees do, it'll, it'll be a slow death of the franchise. And, and I can just shrug my shoulders, say I made, gave it my best shot and leave it at that. Now, of course, I would go into work every now and again, right? I'd go in like every other day, I'd go into work for a couple hours and pretend like I'm doing something, but I was just anxious and nervous and didn't wanna be there. So what I didn't know was while reading one special forces book after another, especially keeping it in the same genre of special forces, Navy SEALs, By the time I got to my fifth and sixth book, I had learned leadership that every mission SEALs go on, they have an outcome they wanna achieve, either kill or capture. 
And they have this philosophy called uh, the way prioritize and execute. Mm -hmm. In other words, one example they gave, and I heard it several times in all the books was, hey, look, if you're going to kill or capture a bad guy, and there's six of you going because you're all Navy SEALs, and all of a sudden one guy gets shot, you have to put the mission over the man, you prioritize and execute. The priority is keep your eye on the mission. The guy next to you who got shot can plug up his own bullet hole until you get the bad guy and then come back to help him. And I realized, oh my gosh, in my business, I need to prioritize and execute. I think I have a marketing problem, but I really have a nutrition problem. So, but as a marketer, it's easier for me to just go buy more Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and get more franchisees on board than try and serve the franchisees who are pissed off and looking to leave. And so I said, all right, let me prioritize and execute. What's easier, what's cheaper? To already keep the people that I already have instead of trying to get new ones. So I'm learning all these things. I'm learning that self-discipline is key and that they were taught to make their beds every morning. Why does a Navy SEAL have to make their damn bed? Because how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you don't have attention to detail in your room or on your cot, you don't have attention to detail when you're about to ask a B-52 bomber to drop some bombs on the bad guy that's right on the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan, an ally country. And right, so I'm learning all these things. I go, oh my gosh, I have no attention to detail, I have no discipline. So I stopped hitting the snooze button because that to me is attention to detail. If I'm hitting the snooze button first thing in the morning, I'm telling my subconscious mind that I choose 10 more minutes of interrupted sleep over getting up and dominating my path. So the bottom line is very quickly, I learned to, oh, and another lesson from these books. I'm, I'm telling you that some of the best like leadership books are special forces, military books, because you see the high level of risk that they're put in front of and how they have to lead and communicate and take action. Uh, another lesson was every SEAL is taught to shoot, communicate, and move. If you can shoot, communicate, and move, you will likely survive a killer capture mission If you can't shoot or you're getting shot at and you stop moving, you're gonna die. Or if you can't shoot right, you can't aim your bullets, you're probably gonna die. And if you can't communicate that there's more fire coming from behind us, well, you're probably gonna die. So shoot, and then as entrepreneurs, don't we shoot, communicate, and move? We have to communicate with our clients, with the market space, with our employees. We certainly have to pivot when marketing changes, we have to change where our bullets go, where our dollars go, and we have to, pivot and change where the bullets go and we have to constantly be evolving, moving, if we're not, we're dying. So I take all these things and I start applying it to my business one piece at a time. Dude, before I know it, Fit Body Bootcamp starts turning around. Now it wasn't a light switch. From 2012 to 2015, I was put I put in three years of effort and one degree at a time, I told my wife, it was like, it's not like a motorboat that you can just whip around in the lake. It was more like a cruise ship, one degree at a time, making a big U-turn over a three year period. And before you know it, we're keeping more franchisees on than we're losing. And then all of a sudden we're hitting the Entrepreneur 500 list. And and uh, in 2015, the first accolades we got was top 15 franchises in 2015. And everybody was asking me, what are you doing different? Are you marketing differently? Are you selling differently? Because everyone thinks it's you found a better place to market or a better way to sell. But the truth was I finally got more disciplined. In other words, I adopted peak performance mindset and then I became a more effective leader and that made all the difference. God, I love that. Such a great answer. So I, this actually brings me back to our rapid fire. When you said that one thing you're challenged by right now is getting to that next level of growing 34 franchises per month, I think you said. I'm going off memory here. Yes. And yep. here you are talking about having to be able to shoot, communicate, and move in order to grow your business, just like the SEALs do. So 
What moves are you going to make in order to solve this problem of getting to 34 new franchises per month? Very good question. So another thing that I that I I'm telling you, these seal books are everything. And if I just all I did is I took the lessons. You're from selling them. more seal books than your book, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's like, hey, you could either read 11 seal books or you could just read Man Up because I condensed those down into the entrepreneurial space and I put them in my book. But truly, like everybody should read like all the all 11 books that I talk about in the book from the Navy SEALs. But that said, what I'm doing now is yet another thing I learned. So there's all these Navy SEAL teams, right? There's they, they go one through 10. 10 different SEAL teams, but we've all heard of SEAL Team 6. They are the elite group, and they are the ones that go and do the big missions, like killing Osama bin Laden or saving uh, uh, whatever that captain was of the USS Merck. Mm -hmm. And um, Tom Hanks played him in that movie. But so what do they do? They look to see who are the best in all the other nine teams, SEAL Team 6 does. And then they recruit the best, train them up to a higher level, and then put them into SEAL Team 6. And go, hey, now, instead of just hitting a, a quarter from 100 yards, in SEAL Team 6, we expect you to hit a dime from 150 yards Damn. with a bullet, right? And so I was like, holy shit, that makes sense. And guess what I did, Chris? I went and I recruited the director of franchise sales for Mathnasium. Mathnasium Ooh. is the mathematics tutoring franchise. You've probably seen them in every little city. And you know they tutor kids on mathematics. Mm -hmm. Well. I heard that they're growing very quickly, that their sales process was killer. I went on LinkedIn and found who the guy was. And about four and a half months ago, I recruited him and he now works for us. His name is Ken Lynch. And Ken is our director of franchise sales and he oversees my sales team here. And immediately in the next like 60 days, we saw the needle move. And the next 60 days it happened, which is right about now, four months in, like we're seeing the needle move. So we went from 14 locations to 17 locations to 22. And so the needle's moving in the right directions and we're heading towards 30. And so we're not that far away from 34 locations a month to put us on pace for 5,000 or 2,500 locations by the year 2023. And so I do have unreasonable goals, unreasonable expectations of myself. And I think every person should because we, we have much higher potential than we give ourselves credit for. But I did exactly what those books call for, and I teach that in my book, Man Up. Sometimes instead of building talent, you go and recruit talent, which is really time collapsing. It allows you to get speed and results in a shorter amount of time, and that's what I'm doing to help meet my goal. Such good strategy. There's so much we can learn from that. I wanna take a couple steps back, and other than the strategy, I wanna talk about your personal life, your health, because you were 38 years old, and when things were a disaster and when you had your panic attack, you also talked about having too much stress and leading an unhealthy life. What has changed since then? You know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Craig Ballantyne, who wrote The Perfect Day Formula a few years back, before he ever wrote The Perfect Day Formula, I was like the human guinea pig. Thankfully, Craig and I are <laughs> business partners in a, in a specific coaching program. And I used to laugh at him, man. We'd go run our mastermind in Las Vegas and Miami and all these fun destinations. And I would laugh at him because I say, Craig, what time are we having dinner tonight? And he'd go, five o'clock. I'm like, five o'clock? I just had lunch. Like, why are we having a five o'clock dinner, man? He goes, well, because I want to be in bed by eight o'clock. I'm like, eight o'clock? Who's going to go to bed at eight o'clock? That's dinner time. Well, he goes, I wake up at three, between three and 4 a.m. and I get work done. He goes, that's why you're so tired during the masterminds because you have like an eight or nine o'clock dinner. You don't go to bed till one or two o'clock in the morning. And then you try and get up late, but rush through work and you have stress and you're exhausted. I'm like, holy crap. 
Unfortunately, again, it wasn't a light switch that just turned on. I'm always, I'm like a humor dimmer, dimmer switch. It takes time for me to like get it. And so within a couple of years, my laughter turned to amazement as I saw that Craig was more on time, with it, alert, not anxious, not stressed out, yet I was always completely the opposite. So I go, Craig, what do I do? He goes, just sleep half an hour earlier and wake up half an hour earlier for a week. Next week, go half an hour earlier and wake up half an hour earlier. Before you know it, I was waking up at 5 a.m. and going to bed at 10 a.m. instead of one or two o'clock in the morning. I was making a list the night before on things that I'm gonna do that's gonna move my business forward first thing in the morning instead of wake up and go, hmm, let me check in on social media and see what's going on. Let me check my text messages, let me check my emails. Therefore, the world would just kind of steal time away from me. Now I was able to dominate my day. So Adam, I helped really, he helped me structure a morning routine, an evening routine. I got more disciplined with my diet again, even though I'm in the fitness industry, I was that guy that was trying to outwork a bad diet, Chris. And so I would just go work out for a couple hours, but then I would eat eat like crap because I was so stressed. And when you're stressed, emotional eating does kick in, especially mm-hmm. for someone like me. Dude, I was like 30 pounds overweight. And so I went back to what Craig said. He says, look, control what you can and cope with what you can't control. And so what I can control is my diet. I might not be able to control the franchises leaving right now until I fix the, the, the problem. What I can do though is immediately control my diet, control my sleep, control how much coffee I have at night, control if I watch five episodes of Sopranos, because I'm a binge watcher versus one episode, right? And all those things made a big difference by getting personally, uh, installing personal discipline into my life, world of difference in my anxiety levels and, and my energy, my focus, all of it. You know, you, I can't remember if you talked about it in the book or if you talked about it with just you and I, I can't remember, but there's a point, I think it's in the book where you talked about, there was a point where you didn't want to tell your wife how bad your business was. Right. Oh my gosh, and you're kind of dude. masking and, and you had to get rid of the GTR and your son was crying in whole nine yards. Talk to me about family during this entrepreneur journey, because what, you know, Lori and I are getting ready to have kids in the, in the next year or two. And you are one of those okay. family men that I put up on a pedestal. You know, I want to do it the way Bedros does, but obviously it's been kind of a journey for you to get where we see you today. Yeah, and and one, thank you for that. I'm I'm so glad that I could be a model for you guys and model the version of me now and then not then obviously. And I'm super excited for you guys, man. But yeah, and that's what most entrepreneurs don't realize that when you are suffering in silence, your family is suffering out loud. Like my wife and I did not have a strong relationship in 2011, 12, 13. It was like two ships passing in the night. I would try and avoid her because I didn't want to get an earful about our money or security or my stress levels and how I'm not seeing the kids enough because I'd leave early in the morning or I'd sleep in and the kids would be in school. And then by the time I wake up, the kids are gone. And by the time I get home, the kids are asleep. And so as entrepreneurs, man, we have a duty and an obligation to get our ducks in a row because if we don't, our families suffer and they didn't sign up for that. Like when you were dating your wife and then when she becomes your wife, you're not, you weren't like, hey, look, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be uh, starting a business and I'm gonna do it in a reckless way and I'm gonna be poorly disciplined and not, not speak clearly and have poor vision and be a mediocre marketer and deliver uh, promise a unicorn, deliver a donkey, and therefore we're gonna have a lot of stress and financial angst in our life. And so you're destined to be upset at me and um, question me, and the kids are not gonna see me. Like you would never say that to your to your future wife. Like she'd be like, dude, we're not getting married, we're not having kids. <laughs> see, I'm out of here. Right? 
Yeah, but that's really what we're saying when we choose not to step up and become a peak performing leader. That's exactly what we're saying to our spouses or our future spouses. And so in my case, once I realized that, like, hey, this damage is, isn't just, like, it's not just gonna be Bedros that ends up homeless and broke. Like, there's gonna be Diana and Chloe and Andrew possibly living with my foreign parents in Anaheim. And I don't think my wife signed up for that. And so I had to really man up. And people are like, well, why did you choose man up? Like, why man up? Is this only for men? No, the title is not for men. It's what I had to tell myself, like, hey, stop making excuses, take control of your situation and rise to your potential. And I kept telling myself, dude, man up and have that conversation with your toxic business partner. Man up and start being the modern day knight that your wife expects you to be. Man up and be the father that your kids should and deserve to have, right? And so. I literally was having the self talk with myself, like yelling at myself in my head, dude, man up, man up. So it only made sense that I titled the book Man Up. And you know, when people ask me the definition of man up, it truly is stop making excuses, take control of your situation, and rise to your potential. Let's talk about it real quick, because Lori, my life, freaking loves your book. She's on this big kick right now where she's reading entrepreneurs' books, and, and they're filling her up, and she absolutely loves yours. And so I've got to ask for our female listeners that are probably asking that question, You know, the term man up, especially right now with everyone being overly sensitive sometimes. We can see a great big shift in the feminine and, and the terminology around men and women. Are you getting any backlash around the title? And what do you say to those people that say, oh, this title doesn't sound like it's for me? You know what? I am getting backlash from, from some people, but it's a lot less than I thought. And part of it is because I've been publicly out and about for so long, for over a decade. I've been making YouTube videos, Facebook videos. Like I've been pumping out content for over a decade. So I think people know where my heart is at. I'm a very intense guy. But I like to see myself as a modern day knight. I'm very fair and equal. And I have employees here at my headquarters, women, female employees who are in leadership positions that get paid more than some guys because, well, they outperform the guys. I just pay on, on talent, not on tenure or gender. And so I think enough people know that about me. But I still, of course, I still do get a, oh, man up, how must be for men? I guess it's not for me. And of course, being, you know, big, muscular, and hairy, where I look like <laughs> A freaking lumberjack, that doesn't help either. But what I very quickly tell people is, hey, what you're literally doing is you're judging a book by its cover because man up should be looked at one simple way, human up. Mm. And I always explain when people start going, well, can I woman up? Yes, you can woman up, but you don't hear people on a sitcom saying, hey, woman up and go ask for a raise or woman up and, and raise, your, raise your standards. They always say man up, that's just a term we use. Yep. And really, by the way, the. I don't want to give a little history lesson here, but the words man spelled with a capital M is for mankind, is, oh. is that's where it came from. It's, so when we say man up, I mean human up, because I believe we are the top of the food chain on this planet. It's not the dogs, it's not the cats, it's not the birds, we're the top of the food chain. Yet, Chris, I can go out and go into the parking lot here in our headquarters, because there's other neighboring buildings, and randomly start peeking in people's cars, and you'll see that you'll find cars that are have a, you know candy wrappers and empty Starbucks cups thrown around and maybe oh, Red Bull gross. cans. Yeah. yeah, and you start wondering like, why is this person like a human who's top of the food chain living in this filth? And if their car is a mess, I'm gonna bet you 10 to one that their lifestyle is a mess, their finances are a mess, their relationship is a mess, their mindset is cluttered and messy, and, and you know their bank account is a mess because how you do anything is how you do everything. And so that was me, man, I was the guy that had crap in my car, 
And I, my body, my health was a mess. I was drinking NyQuil every night and taking Vicodin to go to sleep. And then waking up and taking Adderall and pre-workout just to kind of kick the foggy headedness that I had from all the you know, downers that I took the night before. Like that is not reaching my fullest potential as a human. Like I was living like an animal, subpar standards. Man, what a great answer. And obviously the, the primary message here is when you say man up, you really mean step up, you know, like face the hard things, do the hard things, have the hard conversations, yes. the whole nine yards. That's the primary message of the book. But every book has a secondary and equally important message, typically. What is your secondary and equally important message in this book that you're trying to get across? That other thing is that, listen, and, and what, I, what I talked about earlier with the German Shepherd, if we don't reach our fullest potential, Meaning if we don't go, hey, I'm gonna go all in on the Fit Body Bootcamp franchise. I'm gonna make this my life's mission. This is my life's purpose, Fit Body Bootcamp, specifically helping five million. My goal with 2,500 locations worldwide is so that we can help five million people with their health, fitness, and positive mindset every single morning. And that to me turns me on because I'm still a personal trainer and I look at myself as like the ultimate personal trainer and what better way to impact five million people a day than to have 2,500 Fit Body Bootcamp locations worldwide. We're currently at just over 700 locations and it just irks me when, when, I, when I say that because I wanna be at 2,500 locations. But the secondary message there is if I am all in on Fit Body Bootcamp, then that becomes, that means I'm like that German shepherd. My purpose, my service, the reason I'm on this planet is for Fit Body Bootcamp. That means I'm not gonna go digging holes in other areas of my life. And so I see too many people just treating their businesses or their work for that matter, if they have a job, as a hobby. Like if you work for someone, I always tell people, look, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm all in right now. And if you're an employee, don't just go, well, you know, I'm just an employee. No, consider yourself an intrapreneur. Like you're in someone's business and if you're in the web development department or the media department or the sales department, consider that your business, take full ownership of it. Like make that your purpose, your passion, your reason for being alive. And when you do, you get so excited about it that you don't, all of a sudden you're not depressed, you're not anxious, you're not, cause you're excited to come to work and move the needle, whether you're an employee or the entrepreneur. And so for me, man, the secondary message is that look, this is the only way I can stay sane and out of depression, out of anxiety by going all in. And I think more people ought to do that because when you look at the statistics, the number of prescription drugs that are prescribed today and actually last year and the year before in the last three years, 400% increase in the number what? of prescription drugs, right? For, for, for mood enhancement, right? For basically for depression, for anxiety. I got an idea, if you just get behind your purpose, there's just something in our DNA, man, that says we need purpose, we need service, otherwise we get funky. You know what I love about you is, is that you just shoot it straight, right? You're, you're the wake-up call, you're the slap across the face, you're the shake by the shoulders, you're the kick in the balls, you're the whatever somebody needs to wake up in a hurry. And, and I feel like we live in a time right now where everybody is touching everybody with like these soft gloves and they're, you know, everyone's treading on, on thin air and this whole, why are you not afraid to be so unapologetic for lack of a better term? about who you are and what your message is. Because I believe somebody owed it to me. I believe like one of my mentors should have grabbed me by the shoulders, slapped me around and said, hey dummy, make this your purpose, make this your duty, make this your obligation to your family, to your community. And by the way, don't just wish for your cup to be full, wish for your cup to overflow so you can help others because the most selfish thing we can do, Chris, is to go, I just wanna make good money so me and my family have security and health insurance and experiences. That is the most selfish thing we can ask for. I wanna make 
10x, 100x times the money that I need for security, safety, and experiences so that I can help my fellow man. Mm. I've adopted Compassion International. We've got 97 kids adopted through Compassion. We've got, we're the third or fourth largest donator to Shriners Children's Hospital. Every year we close down the Target here in Chino Hills for Christmas and we buy a quarter million dollars worth of toys. That was 22,000 toys that we bought in one day from Target. So that kids can actually, who didn't, weren't gonna have toys, can have toys. And that's what I mean about purpose. Fit Body Bootcamp is more than just five million workouts every day. It's about taking these little kids who suffered like I did when I came to this country. So people are like, well, why all these kid charities? All I'm trying to do is fix myself, man. Because I wish someone would have told me like, hey, Bedros, the reason you're, you're in a depression, the reason you're in a funk is you haven't gone all in. You're holding the e-breakup. up. You're riding the brake a little bit. You're, you haven't put pedal to the metal and fully committed to your Fit Body Bootcamp purpose. Because if you did, you would adopt charities that support kids like you once were, who didn't have medical insurance, who didn't have a Christmas. I didn't have Christmas for the first three years we were here in America, man. I'm eating out of dumpsters. And had someone told me that, like, this is what you gotta do, Bedros. If they told me that when I was younger, like I'm telling my son, like I'm telling my nephews, dude, I would have gone all in sooner and I wouldn't have suffered with anxiety, with depression and all this stuff. But the problem is I had to figure it out myself in my mid thirties while having a wife and kids, which only you know added to the stress. So I believe we owe it to our fellow man to slap him across the mouth, shake him by the shoulders, as you said, and say, hey, wake up, fill up your cup, let it overflow, make it your purpose, go all in. If someone could get that committed about their business, or the charities and the causes in the church they wanna serve, you will never have depression because you were so committed behind something else. The only time you have depression and anxiety is when you lack commitment and fulfillment from somewhere else. You know what's so funny is I feel like the reason why we've gotten so soft as as a as a world, like the whole world right now is just messed up, right? It's because people are so damn afraid to have these conversations. And so, and so I'm so right. grateful that you're actually having them. And you and I are so on the same page when it comes to the idea of just doing enough for your family is selfish as hell. Like we have right. an obligation. I firmly believe that every problem in this world would be solved. We'd have enough solutions, enough money, enough resources if people would to steal a page out of your book, literally, man up and live up to what they're capable of. Would you agree? 100%. Why we do the bare minimum is beyond me. If we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, forget about it. I wanna keep up with the Trumps. I wanna keep up with the Richard Bransons. I wanna keep up with the Elon Musks, not the Joneses. They're in debt, they're depressed, and they're using television, food, and alcohol to numb themselves. I don't wanna keep up with them. Mm, so good, I totally agree. Okay, so you just reminded everybody of how generous you are. And that's literally the common thread of every single episode, every single person that I interview on here. And what, you know, you listed all the different things that you've done with your success to, you know, make this world a better place. What is the one generous thing coming up this year yet that you are most excited about? Oh, good question. So the one generous thing that's coming up now is uh, we are this close to beating Justin Timberlake as a, uh, Justin Timberlake is one of the top donators to Shriners Children's Hospital. And as I told you, we're one of the top five donators to Shriners. And I think we are right on his heels. And I think by the end of this year, I'll have out donated Justin Timberlake. Why that matters to me is I'm also a competitive person. And I think <laughs> more people should be competitive. And like, what a fun thing to compete against, right? Like, obviously, I hope he gets wind of this. And this is why I often talk about it. I hope he gets wind of it and goes, you know what? I'm gonna drop another $10 million to Shriners so that Bedros is far, far away from beating me so that I can get even more obsessed, more relentless, more committed, more focused 
and try and beat him. And at the end of the day, we're both doing extra good for these kids who get the medical services from Shriners Hospitals. But yeah, this year I think we'll be breaking his uh, his donation amount, which is pretty cool. All right, so Jessica Elba, Justin Timberlake, you guys have just been put on notice by my homie Bedros <laughs> right here. I love it, I love it. Are you gonna, so I remember last year um, <laughs> or every single year you do your Toys for Tots party and, and the big drive and whole nine yards. When we did this show, God, it was spring of last year. I said, okay, six months later when you do it, you know, we'll totally help out and I had donated. All, I said, don't give me a birthday gift at my birthday because it was about the same time as you're doing. I said, instead, donate to this link to Bedros Link. Are you going to have something like that this year for oh, yeah. Shriners or is it going to be for Toys for Tots? That, that's for Toys for Tots. So I make sure that I've adopted all three charities, Compassion International, Shriners, and Toys for Tots. And so the money we give to Shriners goes to Shriners. But the, every Christmas, we want to buy a quarter million dollars or more of toys uh, for Toys for Tots, because uh, the st- statistics are just, for example, let me give you the statistics just in Denver. In Denver alone, this year, over 11,000 kids will wake up on Christmas morning with not a single toy to unwrap. Just in Denver. And just in Denver, that's like one city in one state in one country. And when you think about that, you just take that number and multiply it by 50, and it's like overwhelming. Now, I can't help the country, not yet, but I can help. The, the state that I live in, I can help the region that I live in, and, and that's my goal. And here's what I love about Toys for Tots, let me just put a little plug in for them, is these the Marine Corps takes all these toys in giant trucks, they you know bring, bring their trucks out to, the, to Target, and they take these, all these toys in, in giant trucks and put them in a warehouse. And then the three or four days before Christmas, literally thousands of cars come up with kids. The parents, Chris, the parents wait outside. A Marine, well, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this because last year we went there and we, uh, we we watched it firsthand. A Marine holds the hand of a young kid, walks this child into the warehouse and says, there you go, buddy, pick out whatever toy you want. Oh. Because if the parent goes in there, you know what they're gonna do. They're gonna pick out the most expensive one. Yep. The kid's gonna get whatever his or her little heart is drawn to. And that's what I love about this, man. Wow, that's so cool. The visual gives me chills too. So what's the what's the big initiative at the end of the year? How can Lori and I help this time? Well, we're gonna set the date. It'll be sometime in December. Uh, most likely, it's always like the first or second weekend of December, so that the you know Marine Corps uh, Toys for Tots Foundation can go and house everything. Uh, so as soon as we have it, I'll set, send the dates. Um, I'll send you the dates. You can come out, and afterwards, we have a big party at my house or at the headquarters, and it'll be good times, man. I would appreciate that. I can't wait. We're all in. So where can we find the book, and where should we follow you? Uh, best place to find the book, you can find it on uh, at Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, indie bookstores, and now even Hudson bookstores in airports worldwide. And um, you can also go to ManUp.com to find the book, and you get a two thousand dollar bonus when you go to ManUp.com because when you buy the book from there, you just send in your receipt to us uh, to orders at ManUp.com. And I learned this from you, and we we give a two thousand dollar leadership and high performance course to everyone who buys the book. And I don't care if you buy the book from Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Hudson bookstores, just send your receipt into orders at manup.com and we'll email you the login to one of my best courses on peak performance and leadership. And that was advice I got from you. And that advice served me very well. Thank you for that. Man, more generosity. I'm not kidding when I say you're one of my favorite human beings on the planet. So I want to leave everybody with this as well. I love the book. My wife, Lori, is obsessed with the book. Get out there, buy the book. Tag Bedros, tag me, tag everybody on social media that you bought the book. And maybe we'll even work up a couple of surprises for you guys. Last question, and I'm interested to see how this might have changed since last time we talked. Why should people be unapologetic? 
about their pursuit of wealth and success. And maybe this time, just for fun, I'm going to add, why should they man up? Yeah, good question. The reason people should be unapologetic for their success, why they should man up about their success is, and I realize this, now that I'm 44, like in my 20s and 30s, I didn't think about this, Chris, but now that I'm 44, I realize, hey man, what am I gonna regret when I'm in my 70s, 80s, and 90s? And I've talked to enough people where they say, hey, I regret not working harder. I regret not saving more. I regret not building assets to pass along to my family. I regret not teaching my kids this. So one of the things I hear a lot of is I regret not working more, taking bigger risk, putting in more effort. And so I don't wanna have any regrets in the future where business and entrepreneurship is concerned, where money is concerned. And money, and I know most people say money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure does solve the problem of not having money and for right now on this planet, money comes in handy. So I don't wanna have regrets. And I think more people ought to outwork, outmarket, outsell, outman up um, so that they can make sure that they don't have those regrets when they're 80s, 90s, and 100 years old. Hell yes. My brother, I'm so grateful. Thank you for jumping on. I cannot wait to participate not only in the success of the book, but the uh, charity drives coming up and everything else. Just thank you for showing up the way that you do in the world and on the podcast. Dude, I appreciate you and I appreciate Lori. Thanks for uh, the opportunity you gave me here. Our pleasure, man. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.